Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Return to the Realm, a Rearers podcast for the Realm of the Elderling series by Robin Hobb. I'm Caillou, here with Alex and Leia, and today we're going to be uh, going through chapters 21 through 25 of Assassin's Quest. So here we finally uh, get the gang back together again. We meet Ketrigan, Shade, and they meet uh, Kettle and Starling, who are also uh, in Jampe. And we finally leave on the titular quest through the mountains to go and find Verity. Um, and it's all very wintry and cold, and which is relating to my current experience of just... The, the only thing that's missing is the snow, but hopefully that changes. Oh my god, um, I wish I had less snow. I have so much. Mm-hmm. You can have some of mine. Can Wait, I- j- 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 just, just mail me some. Yeah, for sure. It'll stay frozen, right? That's how that works. That's how that works. Um, but yeah, so we are a Reader's Readers podcast, so if you haven't finished any and all of the 16 books in the Realm of the Elden Link series and don't want to be spoiled for them, this is your warning to step off and go finish those first. If you have finished them or don't care about spoilers, then uh, welcome to stay. Um, but yeah, so I guess we can just jump into the first chapter here, which is chapter 21, confrontations so this chapter is basically uh everything happening all at once uh fitz is still delirious from and recovering from the arrow wound in his back which still has not been removed um and is slipping in and out of consciousness uh but he realizes that starling has told the queen about his uh about his daughter nettle and about uh, his plan to go and find Verity, which has both reinvigorated her in shade, but also put Fitz in a precarious position of potentially losing his one piece of solace in his life. And so it's a, and throughout this, he also lies to the fool. And so there, there's a lot of, uh, uh, as the title says, confrontations and lies and all of that throughout the entire chapter. Honestly, as I was reading this, I was like, man, we could do a full episode on just this chapter. There's so many, like, crazy moments. Yeah. A lot happens in it. I got too sucked into it, so I did not have very many notes. But, um, yeah, there is, like, a lot going on. I feel like I got sucked in more to the later chapters and just had nothing to say about them. Just because I was, like, so happy that everyone was together and things were happening. So I was just right. like, uh, okay. <laughs> Two my thumbs up. Part, yes. <laughs> my favorite part of this chapter is when um, Starling, like, is trying to get into the fool's house. And he is like, let me show you something. Step back so you can see it. Here it comes. And then he slams the door in her face. And he says, the outside of my door. He and the fool announced gladly, I painted it myself. Do you like it? That was the funniest thing. I laughed out loud when I read that. And I, I wrote the same thing down too. Like, yeah. oh my god, the sass of the fool is my favorite. And that's what we've that's, been missing this whole book. That's like the fool at their finest. For sure, for sure. Yeah, like I like later on, like Fitz is like, she didn't seem to li- like when talking about Kettle, she didn't seem to like my song about Crossfire's code rate. And then Fool was like, whoa, 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 that could have just been your singing. We shouldn't jump to any conclusions, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is what I've been missing, straight to the heart. Yeah, and it really does take the fool a minute, I think, to warm up 
to kind of pick on Fitz again. Like, it takes a fool, I think, till the last chapter, really. Before that, that, they're, like, they still have, like, their, their, like, acid tongue, but it's definitely more, like, bitter That's a, yeah. than, like, haha, mm-hmm. we're just chilling. And I think before Fitz, or before the fool finds out that Fitz lied about Nettle and everything like that, it's more just, I think, taking care of him and also the fool probably not even knowing who Fitz is and all of that. So it does take a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fool is just more like tender at that point. It isn't back yeah. to being like, yeah, my friend. And I'm sure the, feel, the fool feels so guilty and everything because they think it's their fault. Well, I mean, it kind of is a little bit. That, like, all of this stuff happened to fit because I'm sure that they knew that he had to go through some sort of pain in order to, like, evolve and go on this quest to find Verity. I like how you say evolve, like, Fitz is a little Pokemon over here. Yeah, definitely. I do think it's interesting that the fool internalizes a lot of what Fitz has to go through as if it's their fault. Because I think whether the fool was involved or not, a lot of the decisions Fitz makes, he would have made anyways. Because he's so devoted to, like, the other people in his life. So I think the fool takes a little bit too, too much responsibility or, like, takes it a little bit too hard on themselves. I think it's more that the fool knows it's going to happen and thinks that they could have stopped him from doing whatever it was that they saw that caused him all of this pain. But knowing Fitz, I don't think that he would have listened to the fool. He would have just thought that the fool was like lying or crazy or making it all up because that's kind of what like... Fitz gets very uncomfortable whenever the fool talks about, like, prophecies or predicts something or something like that. Like, in the previous books, he's always been really uncomfortable with that. So I think he would brush everything off. But I wish that the fool would do it more because it would take a weight off their shoulders for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, Fitz doesn't even believe in, like, the whole white prophet thing until fool's fate. Which yeah. is crazy to me considering, like, what goes down in this book. I know. But yeah, there's like that moment in Golden Fool. Yeah, Yeah, there's a moment in Golden Fool where the the fool is like, I'm sorry for like bringing you back to life again and again. And Fitz is just like, both out of like, I think not really like thinking that those are the fool's actions, but also just being like, what are you talking about? Like, I I was just living, you, you were literally like, you had like the minimal impact on my life. Yeah. In that sense. But yeah. Um, oh yeah the intro here like had me wondering a bunch of stuff because it's just all of this um essentially like musings on how important secrets are to like negotiations and stuff um and i was wondering who wrote it because it seems more cynical than fits um but usually when stuff is unattributed it is just fits talking um more cynical than fits i know (laughs) It's well, probably okay. it's on Elf Bark. Are you kidding? Okay, yeah. fair, fair. <laughs> um, 
I also love the line, like, what would any negotiation come to where they're not secrets to share or withhold? And I'm like, that's just the old blood negotiations in Tawny Man. Well, also, Fitz hates secrets. Like, he, it always does him harm to keep something quiet and, like, keep it inside himself. So it kind of makes sense that he is very cynical when talking about secrets and, like, why their secrets kept and all of that stuff. But honestly, like, it's mostly his fault because he lies. It's like, it's like that Eric Andre meme of, like, shoot something. Why would secrets do this? Mm-hmm. It's like, fits. Yeah, he convinces himself that keeping it a secret is the best idea and safest for everyone. But I don't think that he's qualified to make those decisions, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. No. But yeah, there was a line later where, like, the fool is like, someday I shall write a long philosophical treatise on the power of secrets when kept or told. And I'm like, hmm, could the fool also maybe be someone who wrote the intro? I don't know why I'm so focused on this intro. I just feel like whenever there's, like, not an attribution, I'm just, like, trying to feel out who it could be. Just because, like, they're so, like, interesting in tone and stuff. So I always just assume that they're fits. I, like, yeah, never even think about them. I, like, analyze what's inside them, but never really who I think wrote them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. Fair. I think it's just, like... Yeah, he like, it's pretty much just fits in this trilogy, but I think once they start doing, like, attributions in Tawny Man, I, I start to, like, pick up on, like, oh, I wonder who wrote this, I wonder who wrote this a lot more. Mm-hmm. Oh, another, like, important first TM from this chapter is Fitz dreaming of Verity carving the stone dragon, which Fitz doesn't have any conception that it is Verity because he sees it from, like, a first-person point of view and, um, like, still doesn't know that it's a carving a dragon. Basically has, like, no idea what this dream is about, but it's the first indication we have of, like, what Verity is actually doing. I don't remember what I thought of this on my first read. I probably was just like, huh, that was weird. Anyways, because there's so much going on in this chapter. Right before I realized that it was Verity and was like, oh, duh. I was like, oh my god, is he scaling into someone who's being forged? Because that I feel like that would have been so cool to see too. Is to get a tiny hint of like what it is. I mean, we know what it is to be forged and stuff like that. But like to be in that kind of environment... And he skills so often into other, like, six duchy folk, so it wouldn't be, like, unheard of, I think, for him to do that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird, because, like, you'd think that with how he's reaching out, he would, like, get get there at some point. But it's, like, there's just, like, this mysterious, like, veil around everything that happens with Maybe there's, like, some, like, obscure explanation with, like, oh, the skill stones actually repel skilling or something like mm-hmm. that. But, you know. Well, and it does happen far enough away that it, it probably, I mean, that's difficult to say, though, because Fitz is in the mountains right now, and he is still being pulled. And Verity, too, like, before Fitz even went, they met during the skill dream, skill walking, and Verity was all the way at 
like carving his dragon by then, right? Mm-hmm. And he was still getting called by the six duchy folk. So, like, I feel like if it's bad enough, they could have been pulled into them. Yeah, I think it, at a certain point, it's just sort of like plot convenience that we don't know what forge yeah, it is. Definitely. Getting back to what's going on in this chapter, right at the beginning, Fitz is still in the throes of his fever and, like, the infection because of his arrow wound. And I love the fact that while he's still dealing with all of this and he's, like, delusional and all of that stuff, he the first thing that he worries about is Burrich's earring. Like, I love that that is still so important to him. Especially because earlier he was like thinking thinking about like, oh, I might have to sell it or whatever. But now it's like, okay, we're out of that danger. I'm, I'm yeah. holding on to this earring for dear life. Yeah. And it's annoying that Starling took that. Like, that makes me kind of mad. Because it wasn't her, like, she had no right to do that at all. Mm-hmm. And I hate her for that. I hate her for a lot of things. Yeah. Like, I could... Kind of forgive her when she's like, I told her that, like, word has to be sent to Molly, that you're alive, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I do think she meant that with good intentions. But the second that she knows that Fitz, like, doesn't want that on the record, and then she uses that information as a bargaining chip just to, like, be a part of the expedition, she's like, well, I want a song, so I don't give a fuck about your wife and child. Like, then I'm like, okay, all sympathy, whatever. I hate her. Yeah, she um, is the worst. I think that's all. Hard agree. And I hate that Fitz just stops hating her. Like, I want him to be mad at her like we are. And he says later on in this section that... It started off with, like, anger and all of that stuff, and now he's just kind of got a weary weariness about her. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Doesn't like, you can still be mad at her. Yeah. No, that's the wolf in him, for sure. Well, also, he gets, like, the skill touch from, like, Verity, and, like, that's her, like, that, like, oneness or whatever, like, sort of just, like, the anger out of him, because he's just like, yeah. well, I see their perspective. Yeah. And I can't true. hate it, even if I, even if I don't agree. I feel like that's more for, like, Ketrikin and Shade, though. Like, he should still be kind of mad at Starling, because Starling's in all of this for her own selfish reasons. Right. And I feel like she's already won favor with Ketrikin, so she wouldn't have to worry about finding a safe home and, like, having this great song so that she can live out her days in comfort. Like, Ketrikin would see to that for sure already, it seems. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, I think it's one of those things where the com- like she wants like the the home and the comfort, but like the the song is a goal unto itself almost. Yeah, I think she just wants her name to be remembered. I don't think like I think that yes, the comfort and stuff would be an added benefit, but it's more about I want people to remember who I am and know that I witnessed all of this greatness. Yeah. Agreed. 
Okay, and like devil's advocate time, I think that what she does with fit with like handing over essentially Fitz's wife and child in writing is definitely shitty. But I think from her perspective, it's sort of like, well, they all, well, I've already told the queen this, she knows. Um, And like from her perspective, she's going to have to attest to it in some way, shape or form. So if she can get something she wants out of it in the bargain anyways, when it's like, well, might as well get something for nothing. Where the, with the information already being out there, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I think one thing I was wondering is like, it's it's hard to tell with with uh, with Starling how often she's doing something because she genuinely cares about Fitz, and how often she's doing something because it's just she what she perceives to be his interests also align with her own, and it's mm-hmm. sort of like. which makes it hard to trust her at any given moment which is also weird because she's one of the few people that like Fitz kind of trusts just because like Fitz is like very wolfish and he's like oh she's being nice to me in the moment okay cool yeah (laughs) which which just kind of shows that like Fitz is just like deprived of people being kind to him right or fits. My only other note for this chapter, besides that, like, line from the fool about the door, is that I love when um, everyone's kind of, like, cornering Fitz, and Fitz is getting really upset about like his child and night eyes just tears through the window and breaks into the house and growls at everyone and offers to kill them all. I know. And like, these are people that like night eyes knows through like fits, right. but, but night eyes is like ride or die for fits. Like you and me, but it's you and me buddy forever and ever. Yeah. He would do anything. And like, I think that the emotional, toll that it's taking on Fitz like Night Eyes would be able to feel that and understand that something very serious is going on what the heck are you doing <laughs> okay he would understand that. listeners there's a cat being silly in the background he jumped now. in my bookshelf do you want to join the podcast he's jealous okay. of Frodo being amazing <laughs> yeah apparently he's like I heard you were talking shit about me Okay, I know you love me too. Um, but I think that Night Eyes can definitely feel the amount of hurt and like stress that Fitz is under, and like it, he probably equates it to all of the times that Fitz was dealing with cert- like other things that gave him those same kind of emotions, like when he was in, um regal's dungeon or when he was locked up at moon's eye and night eyes couldn't really do anything and he was helpless there so this is the first time that fitz is feeling those kind of emotions and night eyes has the power to come and take care of him and especially because fitz is so weak and so injured and can't do anything himself like night eyes has to take it upon himself to protect him 
Mm. Yeah, like he processes like emotional pain as like actual pain. Yeah. Because he's like, it's not like a, a, it's not like a quill in your snout or whatever. That one time where Fitz was feeling depressed. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. So as soon as like Fitz is feeling like threatened by anything, even if it's just like emotionally, he's like danger, danger, danger. I have another note from that same section, but it's just. I don't know. It was something that made me sad. Fitz is looking around and he said, there were so many of them and so close and all stared at me. No one smiled, no welcome, no joy, only the savage emotions that I had wakened with all the changes I had wrought. Thus was the catalyst greeted. And I was like, dang. That is really sad because they all thought he was dead and then they don't even act like happy to see him like the fool mm-hmm. is the only one that acts that truly shows that they're happy to see him and then i think shade is when he comes closer we see it but right. at the very first amount it's like it doesn't see anybody that he feels cares for him still right aside from the fact that he is a catalyst and he's going to make change wherever he goes they just, he doesn't feel like anyone cares that, about him as a person. Right. I mean, they kind of don't. Like, Shade is like, I loved you and I missed you, boy, but also I will not hesitate to take your daughter for the throne. And yeah. it's crazy because because <clears throat> Fitz is like, um, would you let her be used as we have been used? And I feel like that should spark something in Shade. But he, he, like, he never sees himself, he can't like let himself, let himself see himself as exploited, I think. Because then that would just, like, mess up his entire worldview. Well, and I feel like now he's off living his life, so he forgets how much he gave up. Like, I think once he left his tower, it was kind of like he put that behind him, and he doesn't really think about all that he has to he had to give up. And now he's just thinking, like, Regal's on the throne, we have to get him off right now. This entire section is just like Fitz being super melancholy. He's like, this duty will hound me into death. Let me be dead. Oh, my clean wild wolf. What have I made of him? Was it any better than what Shade had made of me? And it's just like, damn, man's really going through it. Yeah. And he hasn't even had any elf bark. I know. Imagine if he had. Yeah, the only yeah the only time I think we've seen him this depressed in the rest of the series is like when he takes like the super elf bark cake mm-hmm. in uh, in Fold's fate. But yeah, I think my favorite line from that section is Fitz saying, "I have never been what you thought I was, never." And I love how like for each person in that room, it has like a different meaning. For Starling, it's like I'm not like the hero king that or hero prince that you thought I was. I'm just some broken old dude for shade it's like i'm not the assassin or the or like the loyal uh, assassin that you thought i was and so on it's just like he feels like he's failed each of them in specific ways just by being himself oh that's really sad
I feel like that's also probably why he wants to get back to Molly so badly, too, because he feels like she'll be happy with him just as he is, not and not put expectations on him to be more and be better. He'll just have the expectation of being a good husband and a good father. And I feel like those are two things that he thinks he can he can do. Those are two roles he wants to fill and he thinks that he can fill well. Yeah, but the reality is he probably can't be at least a good father. Like there's like a line here where he's talking about what he wants for Nettle. He's talking to the fool and he's like, I just want her to be a little girl picking flowers, making candles, doing I floundered and finished whatever it is that ordinary children are allowed to do. And like, I didn't pick up on this line on the first read, but it really hit me here because like on one hand shows like Fitz literally did not get, to, or I think he got like an ordinary childhood ish, but not enough to feel like not enough to feel normal. So he doesn't identify it as like n- normal kid activities. And the other thing is like, he's just like so divorced from like what information he needs to have to be like a good father. He's not like Burrage or like later on in this, in this section we see like it is like, pretty experienced in how to like raise a child at least like at least on like a this is how i raise like foals and other like animal babies so about approximately but yeah i feel like fitz would only like want the good things but then like when the bad things of like how do you deal with like a kid being angry and throwing a tantrum or like how do you deal when they're being willful he kind of just like does not have that down yeah and i actually Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, to be fair, I don't think anyone does until they have a kid. Like, Oh, yeah, no. First-time parents, I don't think anyone's fully prepared. And you kind of learn as you go. But he is, like, I think if he'd been given a better chance, he would have been a good father. But I think he always was going to be torn between that life and like his responsibilities or his sense of responsibility to the crown. So it would have Mm -hmm. been difficult for him. I also made note of that section with Burrich and Molly. And I think that that Burrich is the exact right person that Molly needs in her life right then to raise Nettle together. Like I think that, like, I'm not sure if it would have worked between Fitz and Molly at this point in their lives because they both are so young and so naive and they both come to the relationship with so much trauma of their own that they really haven't worked through and it doesn't seem like they would have worked through it together. So I'm not sure that they would have done really as well as they could have raising Nettle. And it seems like Burridge is exactly what Molly needs because he is so steady and so like calm and he's collected and he knows what he's doing and he knows how to handle young animals, which includes babies and stuff like that. And he also knows kind of the trauma that Molly has been through, but he has had the years to grow up and mature And I don't think that Fitz has had that yet. And Molly really needs someone who is steady. And I think she did need someone who's a little bit older 
who's been through stuff but has already worked through his own shit so that he can be there for her to help her work through hers. And I think that, like, Birch has always been, like, driven by a sense of responsibility, so having, having like, an anchor point with Molly and Nettle, I think, helped him help stop him from, like, going off the deep end when Fitz died. Yeah. But yeah, like, I guess since we're already talking about it, just, like, reading that section and, like, seeing how much, like, her father has, like, how much trauma she has from her father, and honestly, how much trauma she has from, like, Fitz being... Like, just a pretty awful boyfriend slash husband. Um, it was, like, tough to read. Because she, she was just, like, just, like, in the, like the when she was, like, flinching away from Burridge, it was just, like, the, just all of that. And there is a line, like, she knew too well now that no hope could be completely trusted. And I'm, like, that's all on Fitz. Like, yeah. But, I mean... They were both so young going through it. And, like, I feel like when you are that young, you make so many mistakes in relationships that you wouldn't make later. Because you learn and you grow up and you actually become, like, an adult. And your brain is fully functioning, unlike in teenage years when it's, like, half on. Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like... Fitz could have proved that he is trustworthy and he can be there and be steady, but it would have taken him a lot longer. And I think it would have caused them like Fitz and Molly more heartache and issues in their relationship than her being with Burrich right now. Like, I feel like they have less fights and less issues and they work through things differently than Fitz and Molly would have. Yeah, if anything, Fitz should, like, Molly Molly or Fitz should have left the other earlier. Mm-hmm. Just, But, like, again, it's... It, I'm not going to judge them for being dumb 16-year-olds. I will judge Fitz for being a liar and not and just lying to himself and Molly. But the rest of it yeah. is kind of like... It just happens. Yeah. Speaking of Molly, did anybody remember that she was going to try and have an abortion? Because I totally, like, missed that the first read. I vaguely remembered that. Like, it didn't surprise me when I was reading it this time, so part of me remembered that. And I feel like it makes sense why she would choose that path because it's the safest thing and she can't really afford to take care of herself at this time and she's trying to get back on her feet so why would she want to take care of another child or like another being and she doesn't trust Fitz to to come with her if she talks about it or if she actually has a child right and she's not married and this is a time in an area where being a bastard is not a good thing or being the mother to a bastard is not a good thing yeah Yeah, I'm glad that, and again, Birch is there for that situation, and I'm so glad that he told her that he would do what she wished, but it had to be what she wants, and he's not going to get her these herbs, because he doesn't think that that's what she genuinely wants. It's just what I think society has placed on her at that time. Right. Right. 
or like the feeling of like being obligated to do it so she doesn't have to have that conversation with Fitz. Yeah. Unfortunately, they never do have that conversation. But yeah. Um, I guess like changing gears back to another scene in this chapter. Um, like, I know, like, even though the fool is angry at Fitz for lying to them about Nettle, they like listen to Fitz, like, essentially, like, talk about his dreams or like what he wants for his child, and then berates like Shade on behalf of Fitz. And I like, I found that like, I was like, oh. Like, like that is that is true friendship right there, where it's like you can still be angry at them, but like the fool was willing to like go out on Fitz's behalf. Yeah, I feel like that shows how much the fool supports Fitz because it has to be intimidating to go toe-to-toe with someone like Shade or to call someone like Shade out on their shit the way that the fool does in this section and the fool kind of just does it fearlessly and like cuts through the bullshit well the fool finally has fits back I feel like they're not going to do anything to get rid of him now like they must be so happy and I'm sure it gave them the confidence in the balls. Right, and the fool has such a strong moral compass. They're to like make sure what they perceive as right is what happens. Well, and the fool knows how it feels to be used as a child and to grow up in a very controlling kind of environment. So I'm sure he, they are using that, um, like memory and feeling of their own to draw on to and realize like, okay, I don't want this for another child. And although it won't be nearly as bad, it's still going to be just as controlling and dangerous for Nettle to grow up in like in Buckkeep. Oh, yeah, in other painful lines from this chapter, uh, Shade asking Fitz, tell me one thing, do you hate me, boy? And it's like, oh, Shade, man. They- Why'd you have to ask that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, we were talking about Starling, but I think Shade is another character where it's hard to tell when he's being genuine and when he's like being like just emotionally manipulative. So I'm like, I'm always like, like, if only you you were like more upfront and maybe these questions would feel a little more genuine, even if they, like, I want to read them as like, you're genuinely worried about it, but also I'm like, are you just trying to guilt trip fits? Like what's going on here? I feel like I kind of have a soft spot for shade. And so I do kind of believe more of the things that he says than anything Starling says, which I know shouldn't be how it is, but I just, I mean, we, we I see they're, like, like, true because, like, there's, like, fits on his deathbed in, like, uh, yeah. Golden Fool. 
and like if shade like is like you can't i don't you dare fucking die yeah so like there's there's we know that at least part of it is genuine with starling it's like kind of never sure about that i feel like deep down shade always genuinely cares for fits and like we see in this section that i think the fool pointed out that it wasn't like shrewd dying and it wasn't regal taking over the throne that pushed him over the edge to come out of hiding it was fits him believing that fits had died that's what drew him out to finally really like show himself and rejoin the world so i think that alone shows where shade stands a little bit when it comes to fits mm-hmm. right Speaking of shade, there was one little tiny sentence that I noticed that made me think of something. Um, Fitz says, his head was close to mine, his beard scratching my shaven cheek. Did you guys notice that the fool shaved Fitz's beard off? No. really? Because it was for sure the fool. The fool loves Fitz's face and doesn't want it to be hidden by a beard. And there's no way that while Fitz is dealing with this, like, arrow wound, he would have shaved himself. No, and I don't think that jo- Joffron, the healer or whatever, would have done it either because there's no need to get to his face. She just needs his back. So once the fool knew it was Fitz, they immediately were like, okay, I need to clean this boy up and make him look like my boy again. Oh, my For God. Sure. I totally miss that. That's so cute. true. And it's not like Hob would like leave that detail out if it's shaved himself, because we know later on in this chapter or later on in the section, there's a whole like paragraph for Fitz like shaving himself and being like, "Oh yeah, I look my old like scars." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was definitely the fool, and I loved that. I was like, "This is so cute." Of course, the fool would do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like I can just imagine the fool being like, "Oh no, he's so gaunt." But also, like, no one can ruin this face. And I'm sure the fool's excuse for shaving Fitz's face would have been it's easier to feed him because, like, none of the willow bark tea or whatever it is um, gets stuck in his beard and, like, gross. But we really know that it's just because the fool wants to see his face again. Oh yeah, I I think this is also like the first mention. I'm go- I'm like I'm just on shade for some reason, but like this is the first mention of like like social butterfly shade because like the Starling's like yeah you know he's really charming and like I'm and like Fitz is like what wh- huh who are we talking about the same person? Mm-hmm. I love that too, and it's kind of wild to see how soon that happens like i always felt that it happened so much later on in the books than in this trilogy yeah like shade like hops out the walls and immediately has like courtesy and like social skills which like is honestly insanely impressive you would think that after like 30 years in a wall or whatever he would just like not be able to communicate with other humans and however many years being lady time who is so fucking rude like 
You would think he would keep some of those, but he is nothing but polite and very charismatic right off the bat. It makes me wonder. And I'm sure he's been like holding it all in, so it makes sense that it kind of like bursts out, and he's like this perfect gentleman and everything. It makes me wonder because Fitz didn't get like all of the etiquette classes and stuff, or maybe I think maybe he did like once patience. Uh... No, no, he didn't. Even after patience, like campaign mm-hmm. on his behalf, he didn't get it. It was, but the I wonder if Shade just like picked this up himself, or if he actually did get like that type of education when he was younger. I think he was probably raised to be a diplomat in addition to an assassin for the king. So it makes sense why he would have that training. I don't know why Shrewd didn't think that Fitz needed that as well, but maybe he just kind of forgot about Fitz every once in a while. Yeah, because before Shade, like, blew his face off, he was like, person of the courts wasn't he he was well known throughout the six duchies i feel yeah i'm actually surprised they didn't like perceive shade as a threat to like the throne given how like popular in the court he was i think it's just because he was so loyal to his brother and like it was that familial bond and also, like, he was supposed to be, like, super vain back then. So maybe, they, like, they didn't, like, Regal, they didn't take him super seriously. Yeah. Like, he was, like, shun. Mm-hmm. Um, my last note for this chapter is like one of the last lines where Fitz is like, when the queen summon, summons me, I will go to her. I said, dutifully. And I'm like, dutifully, you say? Hmm. <laughs> I missed that completely. I'm just always here, like, looking for characters' names. And, like, I, I think there's, like, another part way later in this book where a similar thing happens where they're just, like... It, like, it, the amount of times they refer to, like... Uh, fits as dutiful in relation to Ketrickin is like non-zero so I'm like a word? Yeah <laughs> It's like nettle watch but this time it's dutiful watch Yeah Um, I think that I have only two notes left and they're both of course about the fool Um <laughs> The first one is when they're still in the fool's home and like Kettle visits all the time. And Fitz says, "Um, Kettle visited often and drove me to distraction with her knowledge of the scrolls concerning the white prophets. Sometimes the fool was drawn into her discussions. More often he simply made noncommittal noises as she tried to explain it all to me. And I was just thinking like that must having someone talks so much about all of the stuff that definitely was such a big part of the fool's upbringing. Like it must bring up so many bad memories of Claris for the fool. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure it's not comfortable to hear all of that, but they don't want to like show all of their cards. So they're trying to like keep it close to themselves and just be quiet. And I know, like, the next chapter, Fitz is like, oh, I, I was getting annoyed by how 
Kettle had a prophecy for everything. And I'm surprised the fool wasn't annoyed because it's like, uh, I feel like that would be the type of thing where like your your parents like bring out like the old like worksheets or like uh, like pictures that you drew when you're five years old, and it's like, oh, I have to like look. Do we have to like look at this now? Mm-hmm. I'm also surprised that Kettle had such inside knowledge about all these written prophecies. Because it seems like Claris kind of has everything under lock and key because they're so set on, like, manipulating the future for their gain. So it's like, how does Kettle know all this? Where did Kettle get all this information? I feel like right now, and when the Fool was younger and still at Claris, it was a little bit more open because they felt like they already had the light or the like world going on the path that they wanted. And it's not until maybe the end of this book or everything that goes down in Tawny Man is when they really start holding everything close and like locking everything up because they realize, okay, the fool is actually a real threat to their like future. Cause I think right now they don't think that anything's really happening so it doesn't bother them, so they're a little bit more open and, like, would have let visitors come in and stuff. Yeah, or at and least... Like, a million years old, she probably has been there before all right. you even. Right, I was gonna say, like, she's so old that maybe she was there before Fool, so they didn't even have, like, an enemy in him yet, or in them yet. Mm-hmm. But... She had to have been there at some point. Maybe she visited so many times that she just became kind of a regular there and they let her in whenever. Because she does quote back to Fitz a prophecy that the fool made. So she had to have been there while the fool was there or after the fool had left. Yeah, it just seems weird, like... I think it's I sort of like hand-waving it, where it's like, she's old, old people. Like, if you're 250 years old, you know everything that happened in the world ever. Right. right. She also could have been like like an attendant to the White Prophets and stuff like that, and all the people in Claris can't. Because aren't, don't they have, like, sometimes they have, like, regular people there who do the chores and all that stuff? Or are they all, like, semi- whites like they've got some white prophet blood in them or something like that i don't remember remember enough i wouldn't like put it past them to have regular people there because they want regular people there is like sort of their like didn't they have like regular people on retainer as just like assassins or like as like grunts so Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if they also just had them for like regular tasks as well. Yeah. Right. And, and they, didn't, like, last section Kettle mention, like, going all the way south? I don't think they mentioned Claris by name, obviously, but, like... Yeah. I feel like she does mention something about going very, very far south. Mm-hmm. I think my last note for this section which also includes the fool, is just that I love the fact that Fitz enjoys 
his walks with the fool so much that he won't offer to let the fool stay inside where it's warm, even though he knows that the fool hates being cold and, like, is so uncomfortable in the cold. But he takes no enjoyment in his walks with Starling, and they actually, like, really wipe him out. Like, I just love seeing that he enjoys his friends so much. Like, it just makes my heart happy. And I love, like, the way he describes, like, Starling, like, sucking his energy out. (laughs) Just like... (laughs) It's always nice when Fitz gets to do anything that he, like, moderately enjoys. Yeah, that brings him some form of un like sadness. He's actually a little bit happy or content or something. It's a positive sort of emotion, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so I. I think that I don't think that's it for chapter twenty-one because I think if you if you let me be, I would write a whole ass essay on chapter twenty-one because there's so much going on here, like thematically and character-wise. But I think that's enough for our purposes. So let's move on to chapter twenty-two, <laughs> departure, which is I think a weird name because they don't actually leave in this chapter. Um, what ends up happening here is fit. Well, I guess Fitz departs uh, his. Uh, like room to go and talk to Ketrickin. But essentially uh, Fitz um, meets with Ketrickin and they finally negotiate or figure out the details of going to find Verity. Yeah, like I, I, I don't think like that much happens in this chapter beyond that. I have to check though. No, the main thing I remember is Ketrickin forcing it's to stand in front of everyone and like relay all of his traumas about like being tortured and murdered because I just like, I know she's going through her own shit right now, but that's like mega cruel. <laughs> like, yeah. That was just a dick move. And having him relive all of the torture that he went through in that dungeon, like that's so uncalled for. And what is her goal, like, just to cause him pain? Like, she doesn't need to know all of that in such great detail. Right. She's just, like, so pissed at him that she's like, tell me everything and I don't care, like, how much it pains you. And You're such a failure. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, like, I like Ketrickin, um, but this was not a good... She pushed it way too far then. Yeah. Yeah. Do you all think that she regretted it or at least felt bad for making him do all that after hearing all of it? I think she did because there's a point at which he mentions that her face went white. Like, I think that when she didn't realize how much he went through. But it's like at some point she should have been like, okay, we can talk about this later. She just lets him continue right and it's not like it was a therapeutic release for him either it was like it was literally just like triggering yes yeah and i think it's 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 so much more like shocking because kendrickin is usually one of the most like empathetic or like understanding Mm -hmm. people especially towards fits so it was yeah 
And I think she 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 regrets it all through Tawny Man and how like they use him in general, but it still doesn't like excuse it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that like she can't takesy backsy it because she's like if she does that she doesn't like she she loses like some clout as the queen. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you guys think right. it's strange that people like the Fool and Shade um, are allowing, and even Ketrigan, like later down the road, um, are so free in allowing Kettle to just be present all the time? Like they're talking about like highly secret crown things, and no one knows who she is. Yeah. At least Starling like... uses like, okay, we need a minstrel to like record this. But Kettle is like, she's just this fucking random Kettle's old like, lady. Literally a rando. <laughs> like... I think that she stuck by Starling so much and so often that they kind of associate the two of them together. And it's like a little bit of a rosemary situation again to where they, like, wherever they see Starling, they kind of expect Kettle to be there also. And she's, like, proved that she's kind of trustworthy because she's not going off and blabbing about fits. So they're kind of yeah. just like, well, I guess this is fine. I feel like Shade Shade is losing his touch. He, before he would have run, like, so a full background check. World, I feel like right, that's yeah. why. He's, like, using his excitement and, like, he's kind of lost his secrecy as key for everything. Mm-hmm. It seems out of character. Like, I don't think I thought about it on my first two reads of this trilogy but on this one she was like in the room where the Fitz was recovering and they're like talking about his child and whatever and then all of a sudden I was like wait a second yeah because like he's just like saying shit and there's this random old woman and nobody knows who she is or where she came from it's because like, Kettle just gives off like such a main character energy all the time. Like literally, like she's had a chapter named after her, and she didn't do anything in that chapter. So yeah. like it's, it's it's like the most obvious. Like okay, yeah, this character's important. So like I guess they're here. Right. I feel like also they probably don't really care that much because she is such an old lady that they're like if. She is going to go off and do something, like, treacherous. We can just kill her so easy and just be like, oh, you know, she died of old age. So they don't feel like she poses as big of a threat to them as, like, someone like Starling would. Even though, like, I don't know why they trust Starling so much. We saw what they did, what she did to Fitz. Like, shouldn't they be a little bit suspicious of her? It feels like yes. just the culture around minstrels is like they can do no wrong. Yeah, even though they can do all wrong. It's weird. They're literally human, guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Pretty freaking weird. Speaking of um, Kettle, I believe this is a prophecy that she says, but she says, The catalyst shall hunger for a hearth and children in vain. For his children shall be another's, and another's child his own. And I thought it was very interesting that she said children and not child, because I know Fitz kind of always just considers Dutiful to be Verity's son, and he doesn't think about it. But, like, it says children. 
So. Not only that, yes, it's nettle and dutiful, but it could also be B because she does get kidnapped. And, like, for the most part, before she gets kidnapped, she's raised by Molly, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, you can just read this as, child? like, he'll never have, like, that level of connection to his ch- child, which, like, is true of, like, dutiful, hap, B, nettle. Like, they're all, they all have a stronger familial connection to someone else. Yeah. I think by the time, by, like, the end of Fool's Fate, or even, like, towards the end of Fool's Assassin, or, sorry, Assassin's Fate, and then the end of Fool's Assassin, him and Molly, or him and B have their own little thing going on. Like, he feels safe with him, and, like, he sacrifices himself to save her. And, you know, I think they have, like, a special relationship, which is why it makes it, well, I don't want to spoil. But I feel like he doesn't really get to raise her very much. No, he doesn't get to raise her, for sure. And then he doesn't, you know, he he never really gets to raise her that much. So I don't think that he really gets to raise any of his his own children. And that's kind of what the process is around. Yeah, he raises raises them, which is and he also raises some of Molly and Birch's kids because some of them are yeah. still little when Birch yeah. dies and when him and Molly get married. But then why doesn't say an other's children shall be his own? No. Um, it's probably know, I'm just, I, I, I'm just talking, talking about Hap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably yeah, just because like right. Hap is the one that he's given as a young, like an infant and all that stuff, and he's the one who raises him fully and he's the only one who raises hap with like molly and birch's children birch started raising them and then molly has always been there to raise them yeah hap is like his and hap is also the one that he struggles with as far as like teenagehood like his parental struggles at least that we get to see are all with hap hap yeah Mm -hmm. This is reminding me actually of a line for the previous chapter where like Fitz is saying, it sounds as if you were saying prophets shape their prophecies to be true after the fact. Ah, and a good prophet, like a good smith, shows you that it fits perfectly. And I feel like this is true of writers as well. Like this is Yeah. Yeah. Right writers are just prophets, but prophets of their own world. I love that this prophecy that Kettle is reciting is the fools. And that the fool openly admits and be and is like, I actually made that prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like this is when Fitz is drunk, right? So he's like, "Fuck you." He's. I, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. fulfill any of your prophecies. You'd think that, like, again, like, after straight up hearing a prophecy that, like, he knows comes true, he'd he'd be, like, more respectful of, like, the fool later. But, yeah. I think he doesn't want to believe that this prophecy is going to come true. And that's yeah, at, why at least at this point. so adamant that the fool's not a white prophet and he's not a catalyst. Because if he doesn't believe it, then it can't happen and it can't come true. That's always just been Fitz's, like, way of approaching life. Oh, absolutely. 
I do not see it, therefore it does not exist. Yeah. There is no bond between me and the wolf, so I'm not really using my wit. My only note for this section is about the skill river, which we see for the first time in this section when Verity goes to it and plunges his hands in, which is horrifying. But it struck me because the skill river, 100% in my mind, 100% connects to the Rainwilds River. And that's why the river has like a tinge of white to it and why it's so acidic and like can kill people when they go into it and causes all this discomfort when you're in it. And I think it also could tie into why the people have like elderling type qualities without being around dragons. Cause yes, they're around the relics and the relics probably could have an effect on them like that. But I think it's also the fact that they're like, so closely tied to the water and even though they don't they're not drinking that water because it is so acidic and like toxic and all of that stuff the food that they eat and everything comes from the trees that are grown right by that and you know that like water doesn't just stay in the river it does seep into the land around it and affect the land around it so as long like just because they're not drinking that water doesn't mean it's not affecting them but it definitely, I think, is tied into it. Yeah, I forget which chapter it is, but one of the chapter intros is like, we don't know a lot about magic. What causes it? Like, could it be that like you could build your house on top of a place which has a bunch of magic? And so like, I was like, oh, okay, like interesting questions, but we get like some answers. But that, but that makes a lot of sense with like the skill river because the, yeah, that that just totally explains the rain ones. Yeah, I didn't like think of it in that context. But. The thing that made me kind of draw that connection is when Verity is like dipping his hands into the scale river and Fitz says, I swear I felt the acid lick of it from the bared bones of his fingers and his wrists and his forearms. And it's the acid that really got to me because I'm like, oh my God, that reminds me so much of like the water in the rain wilds is so acidic. So like it's got to like that's just where the connection came from for me. Yeah, I always assumed that it was, like, metaphorical and that there wasn't actually, like, water there. I was just like, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of, like, they carved this out and there's, like, this nebulous, like, skill energy TM there. But it makes a lot more sense if there's actual water. I was just, like, I just visualized it as, like, silvery, swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. I view the skill river, the pure skill river, as, like, molten like silver that's not hot it's like cold like regular water but it is like metallic and it's silver and i think that i got that from this a little bit from like when verity's hands come out and they are silver but i also got it from the rain wild chronicles and the way that like there's the well that they like draw up silver from i think and that i think that's what they call it too it's not like skill substance it's like called silver well and the dragons drink it so you know it's like 
it's got to be something tangible yeah right right I just like I just never got like skill in physical forms. I'm just like it's probably just like there's a lot of skill energy, a lot of vibes around here, you know. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that is like the other important thing that happens this chapter because that taste of the pure skill gets Fitz gets from just being with Verity in that moment kind of i i forgot like how much it like it affect it affects him in like the next few chapters because like both the ending of this chapter and the next one are basically him being like yeah i am i'm skill hungry and that's like a big part of my motivation for this trip like especially like the end of this chapter i thought was cool because everyone thinks he's like super noble and that he still might be a hero but then inside he's like he's still like a I haven't been what you thought of me. I still have, like, this not-so-noble intention. Yeah. I forgot about it, too. Yeah, I don't have any other notes for this chapter. Do y'all? No. Okay. So next up is chapter 23, The Mountains, which should be called chapter 23, The Departure, but okay, we're not going to read that. So the gang uh, has to suddenly leave when Regal, uh, essentially having caught wind of Fitz being in the Mountain Kingdoms, uh, threatens to sick his army on the mountains if uh, King Eod doesn't hand over Fitz immediately. And Ketrican, not willing to play ball with that, decides to just leave early. Um Yeah, and I th- it's basically just like they hit the road and then there's some enlightening character conversations, but nothing specific other than that. Um, this chapter is, I think, what you are talking about before, Alex, where the fool is kind of saying that Shrewd's death and Verity's supposed death weren't really enough to rouse Shade. It was only when he thought Fitz was murdered. And he points out, um, there's like this line that says, What I see, he observes to no one in particular, is that it's not Verity's buckhead he wears on his brow. No, the sigil he chose is one more like, oh, let me see, one that Prince Verity chose for his bastard nephew. Do you not see the resemblance? And to me, that's like as close as Shade ever gets to treason. Because he's wearing Fitz's sigil instead of the king's sigil. And I think the reason that Fitz didn't pick up on it before is like, isn't Fitz, Fitz's sigil is just like the buck, but like with the thing through it. So it's just like, oh, this person's a bastard, right? Or is that a different No, it's old the charging buck is Very the new one. Oh, yeah, and I already okay. read it as Shade wearing it because he associates it with Fitz, but it's also like, Fitz is a bastard, and so he sees that kind of connection, so he takes it on as his own also, because he's also a bastard. So he's kind of like, this is the new, like, sign of a bastard, instead of the one with the red slash through it. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. But it seems like, like, Shade is so fired up, and it's like... He wants to take the kingdom back from Regal. Like, 
because he's not the rightful king and whatever, but also because Regal's a jackass and Regal tortured and killed his boy. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he still thinks that Verity's dead. So I think that the sigil that like Verity would have worn is just the farseer one. And it's probably something similar to like what Regal would be wearing. So he doesn't want that kind of association either. Regal took a different name. So I don't think he's yeah. wearing anything farseer anymore. But is he now Mountwell? Is that I what think it is? he did like a mix between it. Like I think he oh. still has the like crest of the farseers in some of his stuff so that like the coastal duchies know that he's still like their king sort of but he does mostly go by mount well one thing i like is the fool when referring to uh shade here uh calls uh shade that weasel which i love because again we have like slink and all of that like the I, I just, I love, like, because of how important animals are in this book, I love whenever, like, characters are referred to by animals that are, like, in close proximity to them, even if they're not witted. Yeah. And how sad is it that Slink dies and we, like, really just brush past it so quickly? You know. He, he gets his, he gets his own, he gets another one, right? Another weasel. Yeah. A replacement. It's like Slink 2.0. A replacement weasel. I feel like he always has like a ferret in his life. Like that's kind of his signature animal, just like Fitz has night eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of animals, we can add another animal to our fictional zoo. We have Jeppas now along with the Haragar. Um it's Yeppa. Yeah. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I picture them as the like I couldn't remember the name of it well when I took my notes, but I just Googled it a while ago. The Tauntauns from the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back. That like Luke and Han are riding and then Han cuts open the stomach of one and puts Luke inside of it. Do you guys remember that? Yes, yes. No. I have Wait, to look Yeah, okay, I'll so I'll send a picture into. We'll post this. Um, um to it. Mm-hmm. I, I love that we do that now. I, that like I, I read that note and I'm like, oh my god, because I picture them like that. I picture them like that, except instead of horns, they have like a llama head, but basically exactly. Like I don't know, just the way they describe Jeppas as just, like, pack animals just gave me big llama energy for some reason. I can see that. Okay, I have to do it on my phone because every time I try to send it on my computer, my computer's like, I don't know how to send a picture and keep you connected to the video at the same time. Oh, dang. I just googled Jeppa instead of Tauntaun. That's how they are in my brain. Yeah, I feel like this chapter, like, lots of the important stuff that happens is just, like, stuff about Kettle. Yeah. Where it's, like, Fitz is describing how Galen made the Coterie loyal to Regal, 
and like Kettle gives a small gasp of indrawn breath, which on a first read you think, oh, okay, this is just horrifying in general. So obviously, but then it's like we have the hindsight to know, like, yeah, okay, it's because Kettle was a member of a coterie herself, and like the perversion of that structure probably was like really like hits her hard. Right. My favorite part of this chapter is when Night Eyes is playing with all the kids. Because there's a part when Fitz is, like, feverish and he's kind of going back and forth between his own sense of self and, like, the plural we with Night Eyes. Mm -hmm. And there's a part where, like, you can tell that Night Eyes wants to play with the kids but doesn't want to scare them. So he doesn't. And then you see that, like, throughout the time they've been there, he's gotten to the point where he's just like plays with them no questions and it's so cute and it makes me sad that he never gets to play with like nettle or be like that or even dutiful i know i think it's the cutest shit in the world mm-hmm. i love it Fitz is like the stupidest motherfucker alive and thinks that night eyes is going to eat the child <laughs> <laughs> he's fully like no <laughs> and he yells it out loud I really wanted someone to be like, why are you worried about your dog playing with the kids? It's just a dog, (laughs) Fitz. But of course, Fitz can't, like, leave off without being sad. So he's like, I felt a little bit envious of Night Eyes. And I'm like, oh, he just wants a childhood. Mm -hmm. I think the only other note we have is Alex's note about whether the fool knew Fitz was witted in Assassin's Apprentice. Um, I don't think he did, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the fool has like interesting blind spots just because of the way they operate with like their prescience. It's like they don't like because they didn't know about like patience and Burridge, like their whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like very easily could miss details of Fitz's personal life as well. Mm-hmm. But the fool did help take care of Smithy when when Fitz is doing his like skill training and stuff. So it made me wonder, like, did the fool just think that Fitz wanted to have a puppy? And, like, smuggled the puppy in because, like, Patience gave it to him so he wanted it to be his and, like, take care of it. And, like, he just thought that Birch would be mad. Or, like, the fool just thought that Birch would be mad because Fitz, like, had a puppy of his own or, like, couldn't take care of it or something. Like, what do you guys think about that? I think the fool probably saw that Smithy was important and maybe didn't know why. Like... I don't know why he has this puppy, but I know that this puppy is going to save somebody's life and or like if it weren't for the rage that Fitz feels when Smithy and like the desperation when Smithy's like dying, I don't think he would have survived those Forged One attacks. Like he needed that like emotion to hold on to to fight back. And I think if he hadn't had that, he would have been killed. So I think probably the fool knew that 
there was something about this dog that, like, he was like, I need to help it take care of this animal because this animal has a purpose. Well, even before then, the Smithy saves Fitz, Fitz's actual life when he's up on the tower and Galen, like, tries to command Fitz to kill himself. So yeah, I think that they probably saw that first and was like, this dog will save Fitz's life. But then they kind of had to have some sort of inkling that there was something going on between. Maybe they didn't know the specifics then and they just knew that the Smithy being around was going to save Fitz and they didn't know how or why. I think that that's probably what it is. They knew that Fitz was witted, but they didn't know, like, they didn't comprehend the mechanics of the wit. Because there's still, again, there's still, like, the iconic scene where they're like, I didn't know that Night Eyes was so cool. Mm. So. Right. My other note, aside from that, is also about Night Eyes. And he says, um, when they find out that, like, Kettle is coming and following after them. Night Eyes says, I pity you all when the old bitch catches up with the pack. She has a stick. And I love that he says that. Like, that's a very big threat. And with Kettle, honestly, I feel like it could be. Just having a stick. And yeah, like, I I love, like, Kettle, like, catches up with them on her own. Like, the everyone's just like oh she's so old she's going to okay and i think those are all of our notes for chapter 23 right yeah i didn't have anything else i feel like for the rest of this section i have basically no notes i have like one for each chapter yeah it's hard because lots of it is just traveling and then idle conversation so but yeah so almost drowning in the skills road yeah Yeah, disorientation Speaking yeah. of the skill road, that's the name of the next chapter. Whoa. Look at me go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect transition. But yeah, so uh, this chapter is basically exactly what it says. They reach the uh, titular skill road and Fitz essentially is like, he gets like skill drugged up where like he can't focus or things straight. Um, and he keeps like trying to go back to the road even when they get off of it. And there is conflict TM around that. I am like such a bitch because if I was in this scenario, I would be so annoyed with him. <laughs> like, why are you being crazy? Like, calm down. What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with the road. Just get on it and hurry the fuck up. Let's go. We have to get to Verity. Like, I would be so unreasonable. It's good that I'm not in this book. I think it's because, I, like, like, I would have patience for a little bit, and then at the end, I'd be like, oh my god, this is so annoying. Like, he's so slow. Exactly. But you can't say anything. He's got he's got a big scary wolf on his side, so like you can't annoy him, or else Night Eyes will eat you. Right. And it's not even it's not like a behavior that's like because they don't pick up on like it being like weird weird for a little bit. It's just like yeah, if it is in his thoughts, he, he, yeah, he be spacey. I love that. Like, 
Kettle is, even though she's, like, trying to act like she's not getting drawn in and she's, like, not part of it, you know that it's affecting her, too, because she's keeping up with Fitz the whole time. And she doesn't notice them, everyone fall back and decide to make camp either. Like, her and Fitz are so far ahead and they're keeping up with each other. Like, she's an old lady. Like, her arthritis isn't affecting her or anything. She's just, like, trucking along with him. Pretending like it's not affecting her. Yeah. Even though you know for sure it is. Skill rot? No, I said hell rot. (laughs) Come on now. Kettle. I love, like, Fitz is like, she's so mysterious. And it's like, no, Fitz, you just suck at getting information out of people. She is, like, the most transparent motherfucker. I feel like she drops all these hints because she wants people to ask her about it, but she wants people to ask her about her life just so that she can refuse to tell them. Mm-hmm. Like that, she's that kind of person. Yep. She's like, oh, I remember this time when something happened to me like this. What happened? Nothing. It's none of your business. <laughs> it reminds me of like the part where. Fitz is kind of pressing her, like, how long ago did something happen? And she says, a very long time ago, back when young men respected their elders. And then it just says, the fool's face lit with a delighted grin. (laughs) (laughs) I love how much joy the chaos brings the fool. Like, also, Fitz, the fool is, like, finally someone who can match wits. Or, like, someone who's, like, who can give Fitz shit other than me. It, like that made me so happy just like the delighted grin I know the fool is so freaking cute and we, we needed a little bit of that because like Night Eyes this chapter is like not being happy funny Night Eyes it's just like on edge he's like, very concerned he's in, like, like, yeah. Night Eyes is like the character in the horror movie who's just there to be ominous like, mm-hmm. walking like, easier here, wrong. smoother. Yes, and fire makes you warmer right up until the time it burns you. And then Fitz is like, I can feel your hunger when Night Eyes is going to go hunt. And Night is like, and I, yours. He replied yeah. ominously, and I'm like, mm-hmm. who are you and what have you done with my wolf? Yeah. That's the man in him coming out. Yeah. And I love, like, also, like, every time Fitz is on the brink of, like, thinking about Nida- how Nidus has changed, she's like, hmm, yeah, don't have time for that right now. Like, in this chapter, he's like, oh, I was too tired to give it any thought. I'm just gonna sleep now. Mm-hmm. L- like, every time he's like, yeah, it's crazy how my wolf has changed. Anyways. I feel like as many times as he says that, he never once stops to think about, like, how much have I changed? And I feel like we're the only ones who can really see that Fitz has changed as well. Like the way that he acts and the way that he thinks and all of that stuff. Like, I think honestly, some of his impulsivity comes from being so closely bonded with night eyes. And like, that's the wolf part of him coming out. It's like instant gratification living in the now. For sure. Speaking of wit and all of that stuff, um, 
they pass by trees that are so ancient that they have developed kind of a wit awareness themselves. Like the trees have become aware of more than just like grow and life. And I thought that was so, so cool. And Fitz says, I have never thought to be disdained by a tree. And that just cracked me up because he feels so insignificant compared to the trees who like, don't notice him or care about him at all. Yeah, I loved that line about like the trees being um, so old they had a ghostly life that was almost animal. It was very Tolkien-esque. Like it reminded me of the Ents and the Hjorns of um, like Fangorn Forest from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I wonder if, like, the reason these trees are, like, have this sort of wit sense is also because they're close to the skill road and that, like, does something funky with them. I don't, I'm not sure, but the I'm just, like, every time, like, something cool with the wit happens, like, in proximity to something interesting about the skill, I'm like, oh, magic overlap? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think in the next chapter... Fitz has to kind of describe, or it's maybe it's this one. Fitz describes, he's like getting questioned about the skill, and then a little bit later, he's like describing how the wit works. And Kettle's like, oh, is it how the skill works, like human to human, but with animals? And I feel like, like that's just a little, it's got to be a little hint that there is a connection, even though it's not brought up or or worked through in these books. Like, I feel like, like there's if if kettle could make the connection like that and like kind of start thinking of it that way like it makes sense that they are connected Mm -hmm. yeah it's also like kettle's frame of reference because she's like that's the only magic she knows There was a part in the tent that made me feel really jealous um, where it's Fit says that Night Eyes set his great head on the fool's chest and heaved a sigh before closing his eyes. And like Fitz mentions that he's jealous and I was like, bitch, step aside. Like you are not as jealous as I am. I want cuddles with Night Eyes. Same. That would be so freaking sweet. And you know he'd be warm and he'd be cozy and he would take up the whole bed too. You've got Frodo, you've got your cats. I mean, I'm the only one over here without pets and y'all have the gall to be jealous. I cannot believe this. I think anybody would be jealous. I just want like actual night eyes in my life and I want to be able to talk to him and I want him to be my best friend forever. Same. I went to the zoo a couple weekends ago and there were wolves there and they were like asleep, but I was just like astonished. I'm always astonished anytime I see a wolf by how big they are because I just like forget that they're not like Malamute sized. They're like way bigger. And I was just like, oh, that's how big night eyes would be. I love him. I love that that we have that kind of like frame of reference that we can actually see real life wolves and be like, these are huge. And it makes more sense why so many people would be afraid of the wit. Because if people did have such big wit bonds, 
or like wit partners like like night eyes and like hilda the bear right it's scary having these huge huge wild animals kind of coming so close to people and not really knowing what the wit does that's why like if we weren't in fitz's mind he would be truly terrifying he would be so scary the, God, all this is reminding me, like, every time Fitz, Fitz is, like, describing Night Eyes as uh, a dog, all I can think of is, uh, have you seen that vine where it's like, get your dog, he don't bite, yes he do! <laughs> <laughs> like, just that energy, like, excuse me, that thing is <laughs> massive and it's going to bite, my, it's going to rip my face off. Which also makes sense why, like, Fitz would be terrified at Night Eyes, like, charging at these kids because he's huge. Right. And I think that once Night Eyes comes back with the, like, key to get him out of Moon's Bay or Moon's Eye, he starts seeing Night Eyes in a different view as, like, some, like, a being who could do harm to people if need be. And I think that before that situation, there's no point in time where he would have seen Night Eyes charging at a kid and thought that there was any danger to the child. Right. Because Night Eyes showed then that he can operate, like, separately from Fitz. Yeah. So Fitz is like, wait a second, you, like, are running on autonomy right now. What are you going to do? Yeah. Going back to the skill road, I feel like um, now that I've read Rainwilds, the, like, kind of disorienting, like, disorienting, or disorientation that Fitz feels makes more sense to me. After, like, seeing how the Elderling City, like, affected some of the dragon keepers and stuff, like... I almost feel like these books are meant to be reread because there's so many things that you understand better or more on a reread that yeah. are just like hazy and confusing. And you skip past on the first one. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think that I wonder if things with, like, Rapskull and stuff would have changed and turned out differently if all of the elderlings had training. How far are you? In skill. Uh, I have not read since we last talked. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just think that they all should... I think that they need to communicate with the farseers a little bit and they need to kind of pool all of their knowledge together because the farseers have a much bigger understanding about what the skill is and it seems like the dragon keepers and like the elderlings and all of that use the skill to communicate with the dragons but they don't really use it beyond that right they don't, even really they, they don't know the other group exists until like right. until like End of end of the second book of the Fitz and the Fool, right? That's when like 
fits and stuff goes there. But I feel like just because they only use the skill to talk to the dragons and like to have the dragons communicate to them, it doesn't mean that the skill can't be used in a negative way against them. Like they could be manipulated. So they, I feel like should have to learn like how to set up walls and boundaries and stuff. Otherwise someone like Regal's coterie could come in and like do some nasty shit to them. Isn't that kind of what Fitz bargains for in what is the one? I always forget the name. There's Fool's Assassin. There's another one. And then there's Assassin's Fate. What's the one in the middle? So I just said the second book. The second Let me look. I have it right here. In the, sec- in the second one. Or maybe it's like the Fool's beginning. Quest. Fool's, Fool's Quest. Quest. Fool's Quest. I believe it's in Fool's Quest, but it could be like the very beginning of um, Assassin's Fate. But he like is kind of being a diplomat in with the elderlings. Yeah. And doesn't he cuz he heals a bunch of a bunch of like dragon keeper kids. Yeah. And then he's kind of like isn't he bargaining like skill knowledge to try to like get what dutiful needs from them i don't remember i remember he like makes a deal with them but i don't remember what he's trading yeah i can't remember either what he i don't even remember what he goes there for but i do remember him healing all of the kids but that's it and i think that they like want him to teach them how to do that but i'm not sure that he knows how to teach that i think was that the end of the second book or the start of the third one? I think that's the start of the third one, right? Yeah, I said it's together for yeah, me. either the middle one or the very start of Assassin's Fate. I don't know. Yeah, because I think I think if I remember right, uh, Fool's Quest ends with like Fitz like popping into the Rainwilds and like holding someone at knife point, and like it's all very chaotic. If I remember, it's just like whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I read before we started the podcast, I was like 150 pages into Assassin's Fate. Mm-hmm. So, like, it might have been there. That the la- everything blurs together. Yeah, <laughs> I fair. don't remember where things are. But also I do remember like, that he like, strikes a deal with them. Mm-hmm. Also, like, hearing that the name of that book is Fool's Quest just makes me want to, like, work out all the different, like, permutations of titles that are left. So, yeah. Because we have, like, Assassins and Fools, and then we have Quest, Fate, um, a Quest and Fate for both of them. So now we need, like, Fool's Apprentice, Golden <laughs> Assassin. Ooh, I would like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that could be B. In a oh later, like, when she gets older, B could definitely become the golden assassin because she's changing colors when she gets closer to her stuff. And she, like, I think, like, self-pronounces herself as the catalyst. So, like, she's taking yeah. action herself, too. A catalyst mm. and a prophet. Yeah. Which is kind of a bold move. Like, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, get okay, it. So, golden yeah. assassin, assassin's errand. And then Fool, Fool's Apprentice. The B trilogy. Let's go. I like it. I like it.
my last note for this chapter is about the thing that we already talked about, which is the whole uh, Molly and Birch skill dream that Fitz has. So uh, that's it for me for here. What other notes do you, you guys have? My last note is um, that we finally find out Nettle's name here. And um, Fitz says, she named my daughter Nettle after an herb she loves, though it leaves great rashes on her hands and arms if she is careless when she gathers it. I'm like, Molly, that's like kind of shady. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this entire section is about how like Molly's like this fucking baby. Right. And he goes on later, like in that same paragraph, Fitz says something like, like, can she not, like, Nettle, she loves Nettle, but also she causes pain every time she, like, looks at her or connects with her. So yeah. it's, like, well, it's even deeper than that, too. She's mourning Fitz, and then she has this baby that, like, is a constant reminder of this person that she, like, loved so much and lost. Mm. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Kind of I, I completely miss it. This is the first time we got Nettle's name because we've been talking about it so much. I know we yeah. call her by name all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. That was my last. I was so sure they referred to her by name before until you mentioned I'm like, oh right. That's why like Fitz was putting so much importance on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I have a couple more notes. My first one is it like the way that Fitz acts on the skill road, like, makes me feel like he just smoked way too much weed. Like, <laughs> I just feel like he's way too high, and that's yeah. what's going on. Like, he's got no awareness of what's going on in, like, outside of his head. He, like, doesn't listen to when people talk to him. He's so spacey. And the funny thing is, like, the fool said that he fits his acting like how um king shrew did near the end of his life the way that he's like spacey and forgetful and all that stuff and fits is like but he was drugged then against pain i pointed out and i am not and the fool's like well that's exactly why it's worrying me even more so like, yeah, fits is acting like he's drugged it reminds me of like when you like take one hit too many or like eat more edibles than you intended to and then like someone says something to you and it and then all of a sudden you're like wait what and they're like <laughs> yeah. they to you like 30 minutes ago and you didn't yeah. reply until now it takes a lot longer for things yeah. to like, settle in with your body processing that whole time <laughs> yeah just like dial up sounds yes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Oh. That's a very what? good comparison. It hit me then. I was like, wow. Fitz is acting like Ty. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. My last note is about patience because there cannot be a section where Fitz skills about patience and I don't talk about her because I love her so much. And Lacey is doing something to Patience's wedding dress for sure. And She's Patience is like beads off of it right or like the pearls yeah she's doing yeah. that but i thought it was like they were gonna sell the dress or something too like they were gonna sell them maybe individually and patient says it will bring a good price 
perhaps enough to supply our watchtower for another month. He would understand what we must do for Buck. And I'm like, patience is truly becoming the king that chivalry saw that she could. And, like, the potential that he saw in her, like, she's exceeding any expectation that I think chivalry even had. And he, of course, would understand and encourage her to do all of the stuff that she's doing right now and just be so, so proud of her. And I wish that he could have, like, seen her right now. Because I feel like, honestly, this is patience in her prime right now. Even though she's, like, I'm sure devastated because she's lost everybody that she cares about. All of, like, her husband is dead. Her son, she lost her son and, like, has just buried him, like, this year. She's been through so much and she still is sticking by the six duchies and trying her best to take care of the coastal duchies and make sure that everyone is protected and safe. I wonder if she would have, like, gone this far or or been this way if chivalry hadn't died. Like, I wonder if that, if, like, her being on her own helped her to, like, evolve into that. Whereas, like, I think if she has somebody to hide behind, she does. Because she's, like, she wants to kind of just do her own thing. So I wonder if, like, he had been there, she would have obviously been supportive and whatever, but I don't know if she would have become as formidable as she becomes. Yeah, I think you're right. She also wouldn't have been put in situations right. where this would have happened in the first place. So I think yeah. that, yeah. She wouldn't have had the opportunity. chivalry dying, she, she... I think she would have gotten to a point where she would have still been a strong queen, but I don't think that she would be this, like, outspoken and all of that. I think she would... Like, the way that the court life is... It still would have, like, she would have been shy and a little bit insecure and unsure of herself. And in this time, like, wartime seems to agree with her as well as Shade. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And to your point about, like, uh, like, chivalry, like, seeing her in this moment, there is this thing where she, like... She sort of, like, senses that, like, Fitz is, like, skilling to her. But I imagine it must feel... Because, like, the last time Fitz, like, skilled to her, she thought it was chivalry. So maybe she's, like... She feels Fitz's presence. She's like, oh, chivalry. Yeah. He 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 does support what I'm doing sort of thing. Yeah. For sure. I think that happens. And I think that she... Because she is part of the royal family... Like, not just by marriage. Like, she is kind of, I'm sure she's, like, a distant cousin or something like that. She probably does have a tiny bit of, like, the skill. And that's why she can feel when Fitz skills and thinks that it's chivalry. Because I'm sure she's she had felt something similar to that when either chivalry was skilling out to somebody else. Or, like, if he was keeping watch on her. At, like, when he was away or something like that. Yeah, that could definitely be because Molly and Burrich don't get, like, or Molly, I should say, because Burrich is locked anyways, but Molly doesn't really seem to get, like, a sense that he's there. 
or even like when he skills into the um like random six duchies people when he's skill walking but patience seems a little bit more attuned to it she's got some sort of awareness for sure i think it's probably like the same level of awareness that ketrickin has for the wit patience probably has for the skill and if they had been more open with training the skill back when her and chivalry were growing up, I think that she probably would have learned it a little bit. I think definitely if Serenity... Wasn't that her name? Yes. I think if she had been alive longer and Galen hadn't taken over the training, that more of the royal family would have been trained for sure. Yeah, it seems like Shrewd's dad was the one that kind of like shut shit down, being like, we don't need this. And maybe- the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, yep. And maybe if that hadn't happened, well, we know if that hadn't happened, there'd be more skill users or if, um, they hadn't all mysteriously vanished or died. Yeah. Um, okay. Is any, any other notes for this chapter? Nope. Okay. So the last chapter for the section is chapter 25 strategy. Um, actually, do we want to, do we want to get into this? I know we've been recording for hour and 50, so I'm down to just, Keep going if you want to, but I don't mind also just wrapping it up here. Uh, I'm good. I don't have very many notes for this one. Yeah, so. I was going to say the same thing. I have a handful of notes and that's about it. Yeah. So let's just wrap it up then. Yeah. Okay. So next up we have chapter 25, Strategy. So Fitz continues to be plagued by uh, the skill road. And to help him offset that, Kettle introduces him to the stone game. Um, which is a strategy game played with a bunch of stones on a, uh, like a checkered board, essentially. Um, and he, the, him focusing on that helps alleviate some of his skill stress. And there's also like conversations between him and Kettle about like the wit because Night Eyes helps him solve one of the puzzles. But yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alex. Really quick. We also get in the intro the kind of song of the six wise men. And I feel like some of them can be attributed to some things that we know. Like um, the six wise men, they became a stone dragon, obviously, because like I think the song talks about them like becoming whole or whatever. The yep. five wise men... I was like, maybe they became girl on a dragon because the song says in the end, um, they left the task half done. Yeah. And wasn't girl on the dragon. Like she was the one that didn't, her coterie went into the dragon and she was like trying to maintain her own she sense. Of still be alive or something. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that makes sense to me. And then there were a couple other ones that, I don't think that I could draw associations to, but I think the one wise man, he like 
went in and he tried his best, but he couldn't do it by himself. And I kind of read that as being Verity right now because he needs someone's help. Like you can't carve a whole dragon by yourself. And then I just loved the last line of the entire song. It said, "'Tis far wiser and much more brave to stay at home and face the grave." Like as much as these coteries kind of want that immortality of being in a dragon and living life forever kind of in the skill, it does make more sense to just kind of have to die. Yeah, I definitely, like, I I also had the note about the one wise man, but I just didn't put my notes in until, like, five minutes before we started recording. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's like one wise man came to Jampe Town. He set aside both queen and crown, did his task, and fell asleep. Gave his bones to the stones to keep. That fits Verity like a glove. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that that's alluding to Verity and it could have been like made by a prophet or something that like saw that that was going to happen and that's how that verse got in there or like the whole thing about the farseers like coming back and like completing the time circle or whatever like maybe that the song is that old that it goes all the way back to then who knows? But like somehow, I definitely think a line about Verity got in this song. Yeah. Well, it would have to be like the Parsier time thing because even the fool doesn't know about the two extra verses at the end. So well, I think it's not like that time. I think that's time. what makes it special, though, and what means it kind of could be like oh, I think a white prophet could have also had some influence on it too, because. I feel like the Farseers are also so tied to the White Prophets. Like, it's not just the Farseers going back in time. It's like the White Prophets understanding the future and working with the Farseers. So it's like the White Prophets are in the past and the Farseers are in the future and they're, like, connecting here and kind of working together to make the, like, cycle and, like, complete it. So I feel like the White Prophets could have a part in that, and that could be where Kettle learned the other verses. Because I'm sure the Fool doesn't know every piece of writing that came out of Claris, and, like, maybe it was there, like, a hundred years ago before the Fool was even alive, and that's where Kettle got it from. That Yeah, that could definitely make sense. Um, also, like the emphasis on like wise here made me think about uh, the fool's quote of how I've never been wise. Mm. So, yeah. which is just like a neat thing that fits in there, especially with what ends up happening uh, to them at the end of Fits and the Fool. My only other note is piebald prince related. So I don't know. I don't really know if it's a spoiler, though, because you kind of hear about it right at the beginning of piebald prince, like the short story. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I don't know. Me. what is it? It's just that, like, in the beginning of piebald prince, um, they say that, like, the, the wit is not 
persecuted. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, people, some people have it and some people don't. No one cares. It's just like any other magic. Um, and it was, it's not until, like, after all that happened that it became, like, a crime or whatever. And just, like, I don't know how long ago that happened in relation to, like, Kettle's life because she seems unnerved about fit in his bond to Night Eyes. But if she was alive, like, prior to Piebald Prince happening, then she probably would have a different outlook on it. I feel like the Piebald Prince has to take place pretty far back in the future, or in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Not the future. Very far back in the past, because they're still doing the full physical, like, name fastening ceremony and i feel like that's something that fitz wrote about as being like very far like like yes yeah yeah, this is where it comes from but this is why we just have the tradition of like naming the children something special like i feel like this happened closer to the time of like like if we've got shrewd and his reign and then like what was his name taker or whatever yeah like i feel like it's closer to like the middle and kettle is like in between those two sections so she's in between when the piebald prince and shrewd happened and the piebald prince is in between shrewd and like the beginning of buckkeep do we know exactly when taker came through i don't think so okay we also don't know when wisdom like awoke the elderling so it's probably like taker Wisdom, piebald somewhere in here, and then kettle, and then shrewd. Yeah. Also, I like the. I like that move. (laughs) It's very scientific. Would wait? Wouldn't piebald have to happen before wisdom because the wit had to be in the like royal bloodline? Because the wit and the skill are needed to wake up the dragons, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. It seems like because Piebald is like so well known, and whatever wisdom did is so shrouded in like ancient lore and mystery that it seems like it'd be way older. But yeah, also, it. it I mean, I it, it could be because it could be like. We know that, like, the dragons, when they fly over, they, like, yoink people's memories, right? So <laughs> it could be that, like, it, it did that to the six duchies people as well. They, they had this vague impression that King Wisdom did that, but not really quite. Hmm. Also, like, is the wit and skill needed to, like, awaken the dragon or just to, like, because you just need the skill to carve one, right? So right. it could be that, like, we're, we're, we're King Wisdom and his people, like, the first first? Because they were like the first first people to ever carve stone dragons. I don't think so. I mean, from I the six dungeons. Because I know the elderlings did it way back when. But maybe they, maybe they were the first from the six duchies, and they are the six wise men from the song because they're the first yeah. ones who like. Yeah, they, they like, might be the first. Down. 
You're probably the first from the six duchies. I thought you meant like the first ever, period. Yeah, that's what I thought too. First. I don't think that would have occurred to them to do. <laughs> yeah, if they didn't have a reference to look back on, they'd be like, like this is what? a weird colored stone. Right. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, I think that probably just their like skill it- energy like uh, would awaken the dragon and then maybe like just having a dragon around would wake the others. Is just it because, definitely? Like, it has its own sense. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it definitely like I know you need the wit and the skill, but like, don't some of them wake up because of blood? Like, doesn't Night Eyes kill one and he like falls onto a dragon and his blood goes into it and then it wakes up? Yeah, I think that when they Maybe? say the wit, they just mean like the life force of 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 something. Right. Well, oh, so- maybe that one like. Like, it was kind of like the live ships. When somebody dies on the live ship, like, their essence goes into it and that kind of wakens and, like, quickens the live ship. So it's kind of like that. Like, filling it up enough to where it can, like, become its own thing. Right. Yeah, that's the sense that I get. But maybe well, also there was yeah, a little bit of wit in the royal family pre-Piebald. Maybe it didn't just come from that happening. Yeah. It makes, I mean, that kind of makes sense because if it wasn't persecuted before everything that happened then, right. then it'd it be fine with, like, if there were royals or people of the court who were witted and then you just married the person you loved regardless of if they had that affinity or not okay back to stuff in this chapter (laughs) Um, yes for the stone game do is do we know if it's like a real game or sort of just like Based on, like, Go or Checkers or whatever. I just picture chess. I know that's not accurate, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen a Reddit post or two about the stone game. And either someone made one that's based on that, or it is based on, like, an ancient or older kind of game. Like, I feel like... For some reason, I'm either misremembering or remembering something about it, like, being connected to some, like, ancient Chinese game or something like that. But I could be totally wrong, and I could just be associating this with, like, Avatar The Last Airbender and, like, (laughs) the game that um, Uncle Iroh plays. Oh, my gosh. I want to cross I look it up, and there is, like... Uh, Reddit post about this. It looks like there might have been an interview where she says it's based on. Apparently, there's Go, which is like the ch- the Japanese version, and then Weiji, which is a Chinese version. But they both sort of have like their same origins as like, just like, yeah, they both have like similar origins. And then uh, Hob was just like, "This is based on that, but like it doesn't really have defined rules." Just yeah. right. That's cool. I didn't know that.
I think my last note for this section is again always about the fool. It's either my notes are either about the fool or patience. Like or salad. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes now about Molly, but unfortunately I am shipping Molly with Burrage now. So <laughs> sorry. Unfortunately. Yes. Um but this one is about the fool. And the fool says who, O oh light of my life, is Kettle, and why does so ancient a woman choose to spend her last days hi- hiking up a mountain with us? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the cutest shit I ever read in my life. The fool is literally calling Fitz light of my life. Like, oh <laughs> my like, god. Uh, you, you prankster, you, calling me light of your life. <laughs> so freaking cute. I thought about making a note of that, and then I was like, Alex will. Yes! <laughs> so freaking cute i love the fool (laughs) and the fool is just so open with their love about fitz and fitz doesn't recognize or realize it at all and like sometimes will accidentally flirt back but like not realize that that's what he's doing Mm -hmm. willfully and and starling like when when like someone needs to walk with fitz along the road the fool quick volunteered quickly to be my first partner starling gave him an odd smile and a shake of her head at that and it's like (laughs) And I love how, like, as soon as Starling realizes that the fool has feelings for Fitz, it's just like, oh, okay, cool, I'm on your side, let's go, let's make this thing happen. This would make a great song. Yes. (laughs) So stinking cute. Also, that, like, little thing where the fool is questioning about Kettle and stuff made me wonder, like, why is Kettle... So hellbent on keeping, like, basically her whole identity and everything a secret. Like, her knowledge of the skill would be so useful right now for everyone. Doesn't she say, I think she says, Fitz gets, like, mad at her at one point and calls her out being like, I know that you know shit. Like, why are you withholding information? And she's like, I'm scared that if I say something, I'll change the course of events. And Fitz is kind of like, well, maybe... By not saying something, you're changing the course of events. Like, maybe this is information we need to know to do yeah. whatever it is the prophecy says we're going to do. So and she just doesn't like having an answer to that. I think right. the genuine thing is that she's she's ashamed of what she did to her sister, I think, is what it comes down to. Yes, yeah, if they find out who she is, then she has to explain, like, why she... Is in the situation that she's in, where she doesn't she's just have been, like carrying that trauma for two hundred years or something, right? Gee. The trauma and the shame of like, what is it called when you kill someone of your own bloodline? Pratt is that is that? I think they're brothers, though. I thought specifically brothers. Yeah, uh, is there a sister uh, version? Sororicide? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Googling. Yeah, it is Pratt. actually Sororicide. Oh my god. Like where fraternity and sorority came from. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Latin. Very cool. Wow. Good call. Gosh, the patriarchy has us not even knowing what it means when you kill your sister. We only know what it means when you kill your brother. We also only know what it means because Verity was nearly pushed to fratricide to kill uh, Regal when, when he's father, 
it's patricide, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Patricide. Yeah. And if you kill a king, it's a regicide. Whoa. <laughs> if he kills... That's wants to do. Regal. What is it with it's your cousin? he kills Regal, it's patricide and regicide. Dang. We're losing it. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Follow us for more. Follow us for more rantings and ravings. And chaos. The, the gang learns up. Latin. Yes. I think we talked about this chapter or like this whole section. We talked about it for like maybe five minutes and then we spent the rest of the time talking about everything else. Yeah. Yeah, we like, we like talked about like the most important parts of this entire section in when talking about chapter 21 and this is just like the skeleton of that conversation yeah um so this is actually i was surprised that they like because i didn't remember they mentioned this at all but um fitz is thinking about people who had been like attracted to the fool back at the castle and he says there had been one gardener maid who was impressed with his wit who had been so impressed with his wit that she had left bouquets of flowers for him at the base of his tower stairs. And it's like, it's a throwaway thing, but shout out to Garetha, who comes back in Golden Fool and is the person who's leaving flowers for uh, Lord Golden, who she recognizes as the Fool. And it's Holy crazy God. how that, like, comes up. I believe that you remembered her name. I know! I did it. I, I, did it. I, went, I, have, I have the page where they fight bookmarked because it's just like, I'm like, this is such an emotional scene. And I come back and I read it every so often. So I just like went Whoa. back to that bookmark and, um, and I saw. That's smart. I think she also comes back in Fool's Assassin when Fitz finds out, when Fitz thinks the Fool has a son somewhere. Mm -hmm. He's like mm -hmm. asking around and he asks about Laurel and I believe Garetha. And I think about John too. Yeah. To try to figure out who could have, like, borne the fool a son. My last note for this chapter is, like, it feels unreasonably happy compared to how all the other pre previous chapters are. It's like, Knight is like, it is good to see you have not lost all spirit and fun. And Fitz is like, right. I'm rising to face the day. And I'm like, what the... Like, it makes me, like, uncomfortable because I'm like, is this a calm before the storm? Like, I've read this book and I know that, like, nothing crazy happens in, like, the next chapter at least. But it still feels, what, like, it feels things should not be this happy. Too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I think it's just, like, a testament to the way Fitz's life is. Like, he gets these glimmers of happy moments. And then he's just, like, depressed the whole rest of the time. And I think he's finally, like, settling back into, like, okay, this is my life. And, like, finally just accepting that the way things are going right now is how it's going to go. And he's also back in his own mind. Like, he's not high off his ass on the skill road. He's, like, actually able to think and be his own person again. Which right. I think he really didn't get. And, like... That's also why Night Eyes couldn't be very playful in the last couple chapters, too, because he was so concerned for, like, Fitz's mind. Oh, yeah, wait, I just realized 
this is a calm before the storm because the next chapter Fitz gets yoinked into the skilled stone and gets thrown into the city. Well, I forgot that, I forgot that happens like so soon. Dang. Okay, wow. That's just. I feel like we're gonna have so much to talk about. We're gonna have so so much to talk about. In that yeah, because there's also the rooster crown next next section. So I was looking forward to that. I can't wait to get to that. Mm-hmm. So much to dive into. Yeah. I think you need to finish um, Rain Wilds before this section, though. Oh, god damn. Okay, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll just <laughs> I'll, power read three books in the next <laughs> well, okay. well, one and a half. I can power read one and a half. I'll do that. I feel like stuff really starts getting crazy at the end of the third book. So I think that would be enough, is just finishing the third book, right? Right. Well, I'll, I'll do at least that, and then we'll see how, how much further I can get. I listened to them on audiobook, like, one after the other, so I have no sense of distinction between the books. They all do blend together. That's why I was confused. I'm, like, just assuming yeah. that it all happens in one. But it's I think that... one run-on book in my brain. I think that shit yeah. does go down in the third one. Anyway, th- thanks for making me worried for Rapscal, my favorite character. Sorry. <laughs> He's fine. Okay, I'm I'm already writing his fucking obituary. <laughs> okay, just read books. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think with that we can end off this long-winded, going everywhere episode <laughs> of this podcast. Sorry, um, and thanks for listening. Yeah. No, that's absolutely a good thing. I love it's better to have stuff to talk about than stuff not to like when I when we started this, I was worried like, are we gonna like have enough content? And it's like, oh, no, we have yeah. too much. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> we've been so, so long. <laughs> yeah, we need to save each other from ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So next week we'll be covering chapters twenty-six through thirty of Assassin's Quest. And I think we're with that, we're getting into kind of the home stretch. How many chapters are there? Okay, yeah. So, the, so there's probably three more episodes of this, uh, mm-hmm. of the of for this book. Okay, but yeah. Until then, bye.